What do you want in a true crime podcast? Do you want well-researched material, but an easy-to-follow format? Do you want a bit of dark humor, but want sensitive topics handled, well, sensitively? Do you want hosts who are lactose intolerant, but eat macaroni and cheese anyway? Well, I think you might be looking for us. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca, and we're the hosts of the true crime podcast, Yours in Murder. And this isn't any old true crime podcast. I have a background in forensic science. And I have a background in journalism, so we're able to combine our knowledge and bring you interesting new perspectives on cases. Not that we're all serious. We have a bit of a dark sense of humor. Just a bit. I mean, we like morbid jokes and cat jokes. Lots of cat jokes. So if you're looking for something new and a bit out of the ordinary, check out Yours in Murder. You can find us on all of your favorite podcatchers, as well as iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, and TuneIn. You can also follow us on Facebook and Twitter, or check out our website at yoursinmurder.net. We hope to see you soon, and until next time, we are Yours in Murder. My name is Emily. Uh, my name's Orla. My name's Georgia. And we are again joined by the three dogs. So if you hear any snoring, this is your warning for that. <laughs> also warning that uh, this episode will be discussing blood. <laughs> Lots of blood. So if you're a little bit um, squeamish or with someone who's a bit squeamish about the red stuff, maybe skip over this one. Mm-hmm. But if you like it, stay tuned. This one's going to get gory. Lovely and gory. Lovely and gory. Might make you a little bit thirsty as well. <clears throat> well, depending. Depending <laughs> on who's listening. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> well, I have my coffee. That's what. That's my, my substitute for blood. Yeah. Well, oh, and thank you for that story. Thank yes. you. Story already. Just in case we weren't certain. <laughs> okay, so um, there's lots of stories about bloodsuckers, mm-hmm. people, creatures, things that, that drink blood, that consume normally human blood, but occasionally animal as well. Mm-hmm. And they, they go back pretty far. Yeah, 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 yeah. The first sort of myth is from, it ranges from like 4,500 BC to 2,000 BC, and it's from the Sumerians. Oh. I'm not quite sure where they're from. I didn't get that far in my research. But um, they they believed that once you died and you weren't buried properly or you, you had an unredeemed sin, um, you would be then sort of cursed to to wander the world and um, take the life source out of other people as well. So it was it was more of a spirit than like oh. a, than a physical sort of like the dead body rising oh, right. again type of thing. But it was a spirit that would go around to people who committed sins mm. or adultery or unclean unclean type of people. And then they would sort of steal their life force yeah, I've from them. A couple yeah. of those would sort of the they almost become like a succubus incubus as well and they'll, they'll prey on you when you're asleep and take nocturnal emissions <laughs> whatever that's a euphemism for whatever, whatever. <laughs> and any fluid will do yeah but the the big thing was like people who strayed from the path yeah. you know from the straight and narrow so and then that sort of like ties back into to the modern Dracula yeah. blood, blood sucker that we see as well it's all yeah. about keeping on the straight and narrow yeah, yeah. Can't be having any of that, any of that wandering off. No, 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 no. 
Yeah, I suppose the, the most famous bloodsucker is, is the vampire. Yes. And early accounts of the vampire, uh, particularly from Europe, um, tend to be from Eastern Europe. And they're described as revenants, which is just a, a general undead thing that's come back. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's sort of not like our, our Dracula or Twilight. It's not a, they're not good looking. <laughs> <laughs> they, are, they are very much rotting, corpsey things. Uh, quite zombie-like. Ooh. They don't have much intelligence. And they'll often go back to their families and to their homes because this is something familiar. Yeah. So often the revenant will will prey on their family members, which tied into a lot of association with them and plague, because oh. if if you died of it, then it was quite likely that the people close to you would also die of it. So you'd mm-hmm. have suddenly a family being wiped out, and you go, oh, it's it's the revenant. It's the revenant. Of. It's something spooky. And also, like you said, if you hadn't buried someone properly, they could uh, get out of the grave and go start doing something. Or if their death was under slightly suspicious mysterious circumstances things could uh, they could be a little bit things could start going wrong I suppose so always bury your dead always bury your dead (laughs) as any day clean up any loose ends before you plan on dying Um. (laughs) make sure they're buried properly yes or cremated very few stories of vampires coming back post cremation that's a good point that's a good point Mm. that is a good point (laughs) also gingers Hey, <laughs> there are a lot of stories about people who are redheaded, you know, being destined to be vampires. I think a lot in Greek and Egyptian. Greek and Egyptian, Egyptian, really? Yeah, well, the Greeks definitely, and the Egyptians. If you were a redhead, that was either meant that you were some strange evil thing, or you were a god. So it was, you know. I I'd prefer the latter. <laughs> yeah. Why not both? Why not both? You know. Yeah. But yeah, like I'm I'm redheaded and left-handed Ooh, as well. So I would sinister. I would have just been burned at the stake. <laughs> yes. Five hundred years ago. Yeah. I'm just left-handed. <laughs> I'm neither. <laughs> I'm just. So oh horrible. look at you, Miss Virtuous <laughs> over here. So nice little degrees. Mm. <laughs> um. But yeah. So was there any reason why it was specifically Eastern Europe? Where uh, this sort of well, they emerged all had, from. They all had, everywhere has stories about the, the unrestful dead, mm-hmm. um, but they just seem to have been more popular in sort of Eastern Europe. But then they moved out through Western Europe as well. Like there's, they find uh, they found in Italy a lot of vampire graves, mm-hmm. mostly dating from plague times, uh, which would be things like the body looks like it has been nailed down to the ground or like something's been placed in the mouth to stop it chewing. Yeah. <laughs> So you get a lot of mentions of like the chewing dead and you'd, you'd exhume them to see what, were they a vampire and the shrouds, the cloth they'd been wrapped in would be sort of looking like it had been chewed away around the mouth. But this was actually a process of the decomposition. It was oh. the gases and the stomach acid and thing starting to leak out and rising up through the mouth and then slowly dissolving away. Yeah. And it would have a sort of ruddy, reddish-brown colour and also people digging up and suddenly the corpse looks a lot fatter yeah <laughs> that was a dog the corpse looks a lot fatter and that's because of uh, bloating yeah, yeah early stages of decomposition and yeah. if you didn't know about this it might and if some sort of blood was leaking out you might think ah they've been eating things it's been feeding yeah nom 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 yeah but it's kind of almost counterintuitive to exhume the body isn't it yeah <laughs> it's like oh you're going to that's definitely going to spread a Spread some more germs. Yeah, yeah, or if they did believe that it did, it rose mm-hmm. up yeah. again from the dead, it's like, well, you're just giving it a, a, a free pass here. You and know? there's a, there's lots of like some of the bizarre ways of um, dealing with them. It mostly seems to be confuse them. Mm-hmm. Like one of the accounts I read was you you cut off the head and put it between their feet and rebury them. 
Because then oh. they can't find their head. And if they can't find their head, they can't see where they're going. <laughs> I mean, logic. 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 Completely. And also them being easily distracted. And if like you throw a handful of poppy seeds at them and they'll start counting and counting and counting. And then they, when they finish <gasps> counting, they've forgotten what they're doing. Oh, yes. We're, I heard the counting thing before yeah, as really well. Familiar. Yeah, well I think I've heard it in relation to something else. It's used for a number of different things. Things being either easily distracted or obsessed with numbers. So a lot of different vampire revenanty things will have a counting thing. Did we talk about hmm. this on a previous podcast? Is that right? We, we might have. <laughs> yeah, I feel like it was rice or something. I, it might have been. Or a, any oh, sort of small lentils. Oh, lentils. Uh, salt. No, any. I think I'm thinking of Cinderella. <laughs> there was something about oh, her maybe. having to clean all the peas yeah. before she went to the ball or some, some uh, form of yeah, so, oh, yeah. separating the lentils from the peas. Yeah. That was it, yeah. yeah. But they, anyway. they'll slow down princesses, they'll slow down revenants, mm-hmm. they'll make a good vegetarian meatloaf. Mm-hmm. Lentils are very versatile. Very, very versatile. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Yeah, so there's, um, the, like, we associate vampires largely with Eastern Europe due to uh, a certain fella called Bram Stoker. What, what, represent! <laughs> yeah, and, uh, yeah, Bram Stoker was Irish. Yeah. But he wasn't actually the first Irishman to write a vampire story. No. Is he not? No, that was, uh, I'm going to say his name wrong, Sheridan Le Fou. Oh, Fanu? Fanu. Say it properly. <laughs> I, I, I don't actually know if that's how you say it. I just read yep. his name recently. Yep. I thought it's a, it it's F-A-N-U anyway. Yeah. Fanu. Yeah. Le Fanu. Sheridan Le Fanu. Yeah. Irishman, French name. <laughs> and he, he wrote a number of ghost stories and things. And he wrote, it's described as a short story, but it's really a short novel. Mm-hmm. That a, that's that's a phone. phone. And now a short interval with human music. <laughs> and now a word from our sponsors. <laughs> oh, if we had sponsors. If only. Yeah, he wrote uh, Carmilla, which is often seen as the first Western vampire novel, even though he claimed it was a short story. Mm-hmm. It was like one of those very long short stories. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Which is about a female vampire mm-hmm. called Carmilla, or Mia Carla. She goes by various other names, and they're all anagrams of her original name. Mm-hmm. But it's not only the first vampire novel, it's also the first lesbian vampire. Yes! Because there's a... Carmilla seems to prey mostly on young women about the same age she was when she left the normal life mm-hmm. and joined the on-life. Um, and when she feeds on them, it's not a, just a one thing, it's over a period of time and she forms a very close bond with them and then becomes quite grief-stricken at the fact that for her to survive, she has to drain the life out of them. Oh God. And there's, there's been a number of adaptations of it, um, some better than others. <laughs> um, there were, I think there were three Hammer horror films that sort of took oh, this as their inspiration. Of course, yeah. Um, so they exploit the lesbianism mm-hmm. to, uh, to a degree. Yes. Oh dear. Yeah, of course they would. I I, I still kind of like those old like they're, hammy. Yeah, they're they're for want of a better word, they're like they're vampy, aren't yeah, they? They're like they're vampy. Yeah, vampy and trashy and yeah. fun. Yeah. yeah, and over the top and just yeah, yeah. And uh, th- there'd been one before by a man who was a mate of Byron. He'd written like a short story, short story mm-hmm. about which had been sort of like an aristocratic vampire going and preying on young women who faint in nightdresses. Uh, so and that sort of tied into the whole Byronic period vampirism and stuff. But vampires were existing long before the 19th century. Yeah, way you know? before the 19th century. Way before they started wearing those 
cape, opera cloaks capes and, and opera clothes and whatever with was it, Tom pe- Cruise and Brad Pitt interview with, with the vampire oh yeah yeah before they were all foppish and yeah, dandyish that's a great yeah. film it's a very good film it's a very good film I normally don't like Tom Cruise but I like him enough. he's good in that isn't mm-hmm. he yeah. yeah 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 no like the especially the female vampire has been yeah. huge it's always been sort of a female preying yeah. on or either males or or women or converting women yeah. specifically yeah there's like there's vampires all over the world, but in Asia and particularly the Philippines, they have some incredibly bizarre vampire womeny things. Yeah. Uh, the I can't remember the name of them, and the, the names are sometimes interchangeable. And also, I don't speak the language, so I'm only reading things mm. through translation. But there's one who she detaches her head from her body and flies around with like this long sack of organs. Oh wow. Uh, and sometimes sprouts wings, and she flies around, and she will find someone to suck, and she has a long, hollow tongue, and she'll sort of stick it in, often into the belly, to lap at the blood. <laughs> yep. Oh my and, god! And, wow. and the way to get rid of her is find her the half of her body she's left behind, and sprinkle salt on it so she can't join up, mm. and then if the head can't join to the lower part of the body, it just sort of withers away. Oh my god. And that's just one of the bizarre ones. Oh my god. Is that from the F- Philippines or is that Chinese? I think it's the Philippines, but I think there's different versions of them. Yeah, because I was reading another one from the Philippines. It's like, it's more of a demonic sort of monster yeah. type thing. Um, So it'd be like, came out at night to suck the blood of victims from their shadows. It's said to walk backwards with its mm. head lowered between its hind legs. Ah. And to have the ability to become invisible to other creatures, especially humans. <laughs> but it's more of like a... Demonic-y. It's Yeah, it's like an actual creature yeah. as opposed to a woman. Yeah, and they yeah. they have another one that is... Um, it's not undead, it's, it's a witch, but she can turn herself into this sort of bird thing. And then she flies off and sucks blood. But when she sucks blood, it her stomach and breasts become incredibly bloated. <laughs> so large-breasted women were under suspicious of being blood-sucking witches. Oh, dear. Oh, for God's sake. <laughs> I know. Oh, for... <laughs> <laughs> it's a lot of fun. Yeah. Uh, but vampires... In sort of closer to this side of the world, um, normally have some connection with the fairies because everything has a connection with the fairies. Mm-hmm. Yeah, in this wonderful sort of Celtic triangle yeah. that we live in. Yeah. yeah. So you, you found a Scottish one. I did. I did. I found the Bevine Shees, which Ooh. if you remember, did we talk about Banshees in any of the... We've mentioned them, but we haven't gone into detail. Yeah, quite similar sort of etymology. Yeah. Bevine She, Banshee. And yeah. it's more commonly referred to as like the White Lady of the Highlands. Ooh. Um, so they, they're said, usually a group of them sort of oh. go around... Um, and once every year they have to feed and they would typically feed on uh, hunters uh-huh. in the highlands. And there's this one story from Donald Mackenzie um, that I found, which was quite spooky. And I'll just read it up for you now mm-hmm. once I get it up. Um, okay, so it's from a Scottish folklorist, Do- Donald Alexander Mackenzie. Um, and the Bevin she is usually... Uh, denoted as a beautiful young woman wearing a long green dress that conceals the deer who she has instead of feet. These otherworldly seductresses were particularly attracted to the smell of animal blood on male hunters' clothes. While they hold many similarities to the archetypal archetypal vampire featured in Stoker's Dracula, there were differences in their approaches towards their victims. Mm. So, it was said 
that there was a group of hunters out in the Scottish Highlands hunting, obviously, and they'd come home or they'd come to their camp at the end of a, of a very successful day with their hides and blood all over their clothes. And when they got into their camp, they started drinking, mm. they started playing some music and started singing. Uh, so there was one guy uh, singing and playing the music whilst the other three were dancing. And the three that were dancing said, oh God, I just, you know what I'd love? Some women. <laughs> <laughs> they were, they were like, yeah, we just, oh, wouldn't it be great if we had some girls to come dance with us? And then out of the blue, out of nowhere, four beautiful women all in long green coats just uh, ended up outside appeared. their camp. Just appeared out of nowhere. Not at all suspicious. Not no, at all suspicious. So the men were thinking, oh, unreal. Like, <laughs> our, our wishes have come true. They invited the women in and they started dancing. Three of them started dancing with the three men whilst the, the fourth woman was sitting with the man playing the music and they danced and drank and sang into the night until the man who was playing the music started to notice blood all over the floor of the camp and mm. then he noticed that it was coming from his three friends and then he looked at the woman realizing what she must be ran out into the out of the camp and towards the makeshift sort of stables that they had for their horses and hid behind the horses so the woman followed him, but she could not pass. She couldn't get to him. And so he stayed there all night long. And then just as sun rose, she left and disappeared. Spooky. And so he went back to the camp, uh, only to find the corpses of his three companions with their throats completely slit and drained of blood. Ooh. So, ooh. ooh and God. because she's part fairy going behind the horse the horse would have had iron shoes that's exactly oh, it i was wondering yeah yeah. Mm. yeah 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 so they're they're supposed to have like a fear of horses and a fear of iron the same way mm. that like a the the stake yeah. would kill dracula mm. uh, iron sort of repels them so uh yeah he was safe that's good the, yeah no right. yeah and that that's the thing so like they don't they don't suck the blood straight from like the throat from the, the throat yeah they would like slit the throat Ooh. And then feast on the blood that way. Um, and they could only feast once a year. And they typically feasted on men who were either adulterous or lust, lustrous, lusty, lustful. lustful. Yeah. Um, that actually reminds me of, um, you know, the ballet Giselle? Yeah. Vaguely, yeah. yeah. But it's based on this sort of the story of uh, the valley. I'm probably pronouncing that wrong. Uh, but there were these sort of ghostly women often the ghosts of women who had died sort of between engagement and marriage and had been sort of scorned or something but they would live in the forest and if they found a man wandering they would dance around him and dance and dance and basically dance him to death oh wow yeah so that's kind of similar and like like entrap him like yeah they did, they'd entrap him sort of with their beauty and their yeah. music and then they they dance and they sort of seem to feed off his pain yeah i don't think they drank blood but, but that's it, sort of similar vengeful yeah and that's supernatural that's the whole thing of like blood suckers it's that it's not 
necessarily the blood it's what the blood is yeah. it's like it's the life force yeah. mm. of that person that they are like they're they're becoming strong yeah. off someone else's and also I suppose having that life force means that they can <clears throat> sorry my voice is going I know my um, voice is really bad today the weather so. yeah. Um, but yeah feeding off that life force means that they can uh, continue to be eternally youthful because quite yeah. frequently these are young beautiful people whether male yeah. or female so taking either blood being life force or potentially taking or feeding off the pain pain yeah. like those the strong emotions yeah. Yeah. yeah 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 and that then like famously countess elizabeth bathory who's often referred to as the vampire countess was mm. was said to have used the blood of young women to to preserve her youth yeah there's a bit of like debate about how much of she was accused or did she actually do because her trial quote trial <laughs> seems to have been very politically motivated mm. And done largely by the guy who was set to inherit all of her wealth if she was found God. guilty. Also, oh. not at all suspicious. No, no, yeah. I mean, like. The, He's just being a good <clears throat> citizen. I know, well, th- there definitely was something happening because a lot of people were going missing. Okay. But um, it sometimes yeah. may have been exaggerated. Yeah. But sorry, this is a this is a tiny bit of a tangent. So you were saying uh, this, this vampire countess. Yeah. Countess Elizabeth Bathory. Bathory. She would sort of bathe in the blood or drink that's, the blood of the that, young. That's the legend of her torturing young women and sort of in a bath of blood. There is a new cosmetic procedure where uh-huh. you can inject the blood of a younger human into yourself. What? To rejuvenate your looks. Oh, I- my. What? <laughs> yes. <laughs> this is happening. I Like, I know there's blood transfusions when people are ill, but... No, like actually for cosmetic procedures. And then it started off, I know Kim Kardashian, in her great wisdom, used her own blood as a facial. Oh, I, I remember seeing pictures of that. Yeah. And I, I somehow, I don't know how I got, but I got the impression that it was menstrual blood. Oh, boy. <laughs> I, I think I'd heard someone say period facial. Oh, mate. Well, maybe that's just because it was blood. But like, I, I'm not sure if it was menstrual blood. I, her, her own blood. In, I remember seeing the picture and it just yeah. like, did not look nice. No. And oh. now that's even like moved on to getting younger blood oh, into God. you. But Either by transfusion why, or injection. That, no. Yeah, no, it doesn't work like that, lads. No, <laughs> I, I'm, I'm, I, I, I'm not a doctor. <laughs> I, I have very little knowledge of biology, but I'm fairly certain it doesn't work like yeah, that. Yeah, <laughs> but those are the modern vampires. Oh, God. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. Blood-sucking lady leprechauns. Yay! <laughs> Let's get back onto something a bit more understandable. <laughs> because the, um... Oh, I can't pronounce her name. Mm. Chi. Because the Bevinci is a, is a blood-sucking uh, vamp- vampire fairy. Blood-sucking lady leprechauns. Mm-hmm. I was told about this by a guy I work with, Pawdy. Hello, Pawdy, if you're listening. Hi, Pawdy. And... The blood-sucking lady vampires of Kerry, and I at first thought he might have been having me on a little bit. <laughs> and I googled and googled, and nothing was coming up. And then I started reading this book, The Truth About Leprechauns by Bob Kern. Uh, we mentioned him in our Cunning Women's book uh, episode. He wrote The uh, Bewitched Land. But in this book, which actually is very interesting, it's not just about leprechauns, he sort of like relates it to all sorts of different fairy things. But he mentions the blood-sucking lady leprechauns of, Sh- of Kerry. Um, they're from Kerry. Yeah. <laughs> I just love that. Particularly in the area around the McKillicuggy Reeks in the parish of Schneen. Okay. Schneen. Schneen. It's good that we know the parish. Yeah, we know the parish. <laughs> but that these were uh, leprechaun-like female creatures that would suck your blood. And particularly during Lent. 
If you put tea, sorry, if you put milk in your tea during Lent, the blood-sucking lady leprechauns will come for you. Oh, for God's sake. So going back to that whole thing of blood-suckers punishing those who uh, who stray off the path. Because yeah. during Lent, you, you weren't meant to have, you know, the luxuries in life, like the milk in your tea. Yeah, or um, eggs or... Yeah, isn't it Kavanagh who mentions in his poem about the black tea and burnt toast or something? Or the Great Famine, is it? No. Possibly. He's, he's talking about... Oh, that was Heaney, was he? Or maybe it was... I, but one of, one of, mm. the, one of the, the Irish poets mentions about, you know, drinking the black tea during Lent. Sounds like something Kavanagh would write. Yeah. yeah. Kav- yeah. Kavanagh, miserable old sod. Kavanagh yeah. liked to move. Yeah. Lovely yeah. boy. miserable. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Um, maybe it's because I have to study him for the leaving sir, but I don't like Kavanaugh too much. Oh. I like him, but he was miserable. He like, was a bit of a I moan. I think that's what Such I liked him. about him. <laughs> oh, just he was always moaning. Like his, his his most famous poem that most people would know would be um, Raglan Road. Yeah, that's the one. I, was, I was humming the tune in my head, on which has been set, to, which is to a tune, and it's basically about him not getting over a girl he used to be. In a relationship yeah. with, yeah. and blaming her. Oh, okay. yeah, like, that's not so good. Uh, yeah, yeah, and saying, like, the, when the angel woos the clay, he'll lose his wings at the, the dawn, dawn of day. day yeah. And, like, oh, the I, Queen of Hearts still making tarts and I not making hay is apparently about him not getting the ride. Oh, I was. I, and I, I not making hay. Okay, yeah. I was I was kind of thinking of, you know, Canal Bank Walk and stuff. No, yeah, the, leafy, <laughs> leafy with love green and much all that. Nicer, like, much, much nicer. Yeah, but, after he had his heart attack, he <laughs> Anyway, but anyway, anyway, so yeah, just to mention it, um, if you're down in Kerry, mm-hmm. near Schneen, and it's around the time of Lent, and you put milk in your tea, you may encounter a blood-sucking lady leprechaun. And that phrase just makes me smile. <laughs> I, I really, I take such an issue with this, because it's obviously, number one, it's Catholic propaganda. <laughs> we know this, we know this, right? Mm-hmm. And the, 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 the demon that they're making out is, is a woman <laughs> who's going to suck your blood but if you have tea in your, or milk in your tea. I don't... I, they, well, they, they Catholic were, church at it again. <laughs> there were probably, you know, stories about them before, they're just like, well... We might as well use this story. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this one fits our yeah. our bill. But mm. there's a there's another blood sucking lady in mm. Irish folklore and mythology, who isn't a fairy, isn't a leprechaun. She's much more of a traditional vampire. <laughs> and Mimi's already bored of this story. <laughs> and she is. I'm going to pronounce this horribly because I don't speak Irish properly. Uh, the Daragdu, or the Red Thirst. Uh, now the story goes that she was once a woman. Mm-hmm very good-looking woman with flaming red hair but her father was a bit of a miserly man who considered you know he had too many daughters and costing too much to keep so when a rich man came along and well offered him a high bride price for his daughter he agreed despite the fact that this man had a particularly evil reputation already and that his daughter really did not want to marry him but the two were wet and things did not get better for her the marriage was not a pleasant one. And eventually she died under mysterious circumstances. Uh, different stories will differ different accounts of her death. But for whatever reason, her husband, he wanted to make sure she didn't get out of her grave. So when she was buried, she com- he commanded that her grave be covered in heavy stones. And then he went off, presumably, to find another wife. But the people removed the stones. 
the logic being, well, none of us helped her in life, so she wants to <laughs> get some justice and death. We're not going to stop her. And before long, she rose out of her grave and began to seek revenge on the two men who had wronged her. First, she went after her husband. She went up to the last house she had spent a living night in, went inside and walked up to her husband and clapped her lips over his and began to suck and suck and suck. And she sucked life's breath from his lungs into hers. So now she was partially revived, but she still wasn't and she was thirsty. So she went to find her father. She found him, bit into him and began to lap up the crimson gore. And when he was drained, she was finally sated. And she said to still walk, prowling the night. When the sun is rising in the sky, she lies in her grave and waits. But when the sun sets, she walks. She will use her beauty to lure young men away. And she seems to particularly prey on those who are cruel. But if she can't find any of those, well, she still needs blood to you know, stay alive, so <laughs> yeah. she'll, she'll take what she can get. Take what she can get. Um, and for any of our listeners out there, there's a great song about Derek Doom. Oh, is there? By the Horse Lips. Oh, of course. Yeah. I didn't know that. Yay. Oh, it's great. It's a very good song. I listened to that. 70s Irish rock. Mm. And it's it's all about, yeah, it's about this scorned woman. Mm. And uh, it's like, I don't want you. I don't need you. I don't love you you better run 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 <laughs> i'm derek doom i'm derek doom i haven't nice. heard that since i was a child and i never really listened to the lyrics i just loved the bit of electric guitar yeah yeah, <laughs> so yeah it's amazing yeah, being yeah, like oh that's yeah. what it was about yeah 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 yeah, yeah. it's yeah. all about taking down the man so yeah. go listen to that as well it's yeah. very good uh, mm-hmm. we have an um we have another irish famous irish vampire mm. apart from dracula um which is like a lot of people said oh bram stoker was influenced by this story but Maybe, maybe not. And that's Avertok. Do you remember the story of Avertok? I think we did it as a shadow puppet once a while ago. I wasn't involved in that. Oh, right. I think, you, I think we, we managed to sneak you behind backstage. <laughs> oh, yeah. So that you, was the yeah. Bram Stoker Festival. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I um, because this is a... This is... Actually, I find it quite a funny story, yeah. in a way. Um, even though it's quite horrific. But it, it's not about getting, you know, vengeance or anything like that or keeping people on the morality path. It's just a story about death and blood <laughs> which is why it's a fun story yeah. so there's once a, a fella called Avertuck in ancient Celtic mists of time Ireland mm-hmm. who was something of a sort of a local lord local chieftain and a very unpleasant fellow as they um, all seem to be yeah uh, like some accounts they describe him as a a wizard and a dwarf okay a twisted fellow who realised that you know blood was quite a powerful thing mm-hmm and so he would sneak out at night to people's cattle and he would, you know, stick a pin in and gather some blood and then go and do unpleasant things. And the people eventually got fed up with this, so they went off to find a hero. <laughs> because that's what you do. Yeah. <laughs> got a problem with the landlord, find a hero. And they found a hero. It wasn't Finn McCool. Finn McCool had dealings with another magical fellow called Avertok, but different Avertoks. Ah. Uh, but they got this hero and he came and said, sure, I'll sort him out. Came, stabbed him through with his sword. He was dead. He buried him. And then he was like, well, the castle's empty, so I'll just take over that. And it was grand. He moved in his wife, his family, and things were going pretty well. Until Avertok stopped being dead. (laughs) And he got up out of his grave and started walking back home. And the door was locked. And so he's like, 
started to climb up the wall to his bedroom window. And when he looked in the bedroom window, there was, oh, there was a young woman in there. The, the hero's daughter. And he thought, well, this is a nice surprise. Oh, no. So he began to climb in like a spider through the window. And the girl, of course, seeing this corpse mm-hmm. coming in her window, screamed. Her father came rushing in with his sword, because he always carried a sword. Yeah. Stabbed Abertok again and buried him for a second time. Only he didn't stay dead. <laughs> so he got up again, a little bit miffed this time, decided he wasn't going to go back to his castle. He'd, he'd go into the village. And the villagers called the hero, saying, he's back. Mm-hmm. So the hero came and stabbed him again. <laughs> and this just kept happening. They'd stab him, they'd bury him, he'd get up again. So the hero, in desperation, went to a druid and asked, what am I going to do with this? This corpse keeps getting up and wandering around the place. And the druid thought for him and said, okay, um... What are you stabbing him with? I said, my sword. That's what you stab people with. You stab them with the pointy end. <laughs> and the druid said, ah, that's your problem. Ah, you're using a metal sword. You have to use a wooden one. And the hero said, wooden ones don't work. He said, he's an undead blood drinker. You just stab him with a piece of wood. And also, when you bury him, don't bury him face up. Mm. Bury him face down. So that way, when he tries to dig himself out, he just digs deeper into the ground. And the hero thought, ah, that's clever. So he went and he got a cow, because all Irish stories must involve a cow. Yes. <laughs> uh, held the cow out as bait and waited, wait until the sunset, and he could you know, hear the clinking of bones and smell the rotting flesh coming towards him. And as Avertok was coming up on the cow, drooling at the thought of drinking its blood, he stabbed him in the back <laughs> with the wooden sword and then buried him. Buried him upside down so that when he tried to dig himself out, he would just dig deeper. And to mark the spot, to make sure no one would accidentally try digging there and you know, mm-hmm. unleash him at the start of any good horror film, they planted a tree, an ash tree. And it said that that tree is still standing there. And that if you go to it on a certain day, when the sun is setting and the moon is rising, and you press your ear to it, you can just hear... the sound of the claws digging their way out. Uh, yeah. so, like, some people, uh, <laughs> so some people have claimed that that story uh, directly inspired Bram Stoker because it's got the, you know, the stabbing with a wooden thing. But mm-hmm. that was a, that was a pre-existing revenant thing of, you. it's not that you have to stab them in the heart, it's you have to n- stake them down to the ground. Yeah. That's uh, where yeah. the stake through the heart came from. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then it's sort of slowly over time moved to just something about putting wood in their heart. Yeah. But it's actually just it, pin them down. Yeah, it was more of a just, you know, stop them getting up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That was, that's just like a really good horror story. Like, it doesn't necessarily even have like a, you know, big moral. It doesn't yeah. have a moral. I, yeah. That's why I like it. It doesn't have a moral. It doesn't try to teach you anything. Yeah. It's, it's just spooky. It's just spooky. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so what was the crack with Vlad the Impaler? Because wasn't oh, he the, like, yeah, um, the real vampire, you know? Mm. like Well, he was a... He was a a European noble thing and he went on a lot of fights mm-hmm. uh, fighting particularly against the Turks mm-hmm. um, oh my dog has gone and he was kidnapped at one stage and he was held prisoner for uh, for uh, I think about three years mm-hmm. which didn't really endear him to the rest of humanity okay uh, partly because his, I think his father wasn't paying the ransom or something okay so when he took over uh, Transylvania which is now sort of in Romania, Romania. Romania yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, he was uh, he was quite he was quite brutal 
and he waged wars defending Christendom, uh, which was basically just an excuse to work out his anger issues. Uh, but his thing, he did like to impale people on spikes. Yeah. Um, uh, quite gorily, and he impaled a lot of them. Yeah. Uh, publicly as well. Publicly didn't he? as well, as a sort of like, this is what I'll do to you. But the, he got very good at it, or, or I don't think he was doing it himself. I think he had people to do it for him. But they sort of perfected it because uh, they could they basically the idea was cause as much suffering as possible. So the stake wouldn't be going like straight through you. Mm-hmm. It would go up the uh, mm-hmm. up at the base and then go up and you'd be put on it and then your own body weight would slowly be forcing <gasps> oh, you oh God. down. But it would end up coming through your shoulder. Yeah. Which meant it sort of missed a lot of the vital organs, which meant you'd be there for a day or two slowly bleeding out. Mm. That was the thing he was famous for. He was also, and that, again, this is one of those things that may be true, may be exaggerated, but that he, at a banquet, had a load of these impaled corpses, bodies, some still alive, doused in oil and set a light to light the dining room. I heard that one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah so he was... um. He was a not a pleasant fellow. No. <laughs> and related to Elizabeth Bathory, actually. Because all the nobility are related. Related, yeah. But his big connection with Dracula is not only the, the Transylvania region, mm-hmm. but he was a member of the Order of the Dragon. Yeah. Dracul. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like his dad. Um, yeah, and it's said it that here. Bram Stoker got the name Dracula, mm-hmm. which means son of the dragon, from Blagging Paler, member of the Order of the Dragon. And because his dad was big up on that, he was the son of the dragon. Yeah. And that he may have based a, sort of the name of that, but that Vlad the Impaler wasn't a vampire. And despite what certain films may have claimed, <laughs> he was not a heroic nobleman who went on crusades and then is just looking for his long lost bride. No, no, yeah. no, no, absolutely not. I did, I remember when I was learning about him, you know, when I was younger in mm. school or whatever, you did get the sort of stories like he would, he would drink pig's blood or bat's blood or stuff yeah. like that but i think that's when he was imprisoned he might that might have been for for the three years that like all he could feed on was like possibly rats and bats yeah but also yeah. um uh, there's lots of stories like people pigs pig's blood being used as a culinary thing mm. um i mean black, black pudding, pudding it's yeah. basically blood <laughs> yep uh so then you can sort of extrapolate from that and get bigger and bigger and bigger um Actually, Little Red Riding Hood drank blood as well. Yeah, 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 I saw. Uh, in, the, in one of the older versions of Little Red Riding Hood, a story called uh, Story of a Grandmother, which is my favourite version of Little Red Riding Hood. <laughs> the wolf is, well, he's very domestically gifted. I mean, he's able to alter Granny's clothes, and he's, when he's eaten some of Granny, there's a bit left over. And so he's able to clean up all of the mess, so there's no telltale signs, and the remaining flesh, he turns into sausages. And the leftover blood he bottles as wine. What? Yeah. And so when Little Red Riding Hood eventually comes in, uh, her granny, who's the wolf in disguise, offers her some wine. Which should be bringing up a few questions as who's giving the child alcohol. (laughs) But, I I mean, Little Red Riding Hood must have never drunk wine before because she doesn't seem to notice that it's her grandmother's blood. And in one account, the cat who can apparently talk and has been witnessing this whole event but hasn't said anything, calls her a slut for drinking her grandmother's blood. <laughs> slut used to mean dirty. Oh. Mm-hmm. Just like, not clean. Yeah. So like Cinderella was originally called Cinder Slut. 
<laughs> was she? Yeah. Oh my god. Yeah, the, 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 the term slut has, uh, has, has changed. <laughs> yes, yeah, but. Awful. <laughs> the, the, that's right, it's, it's. You can sort of look at it as either being incredibly horrific or little bit writing, but almost being playful as sort of like knowing what the wolf is up to, but playing along just mm-hmm. because she gets herself out of the problem. There's no woodsman coming along. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But the thing is, the cat can clearly talk, understand what's going on, but doesn't bother to try to alert anyone. That's a cat though, isn't it? That's a cat. So it makes me wonder if the cat and the wolf had a thing going We're on. We're in on oh. it together. Yeah. Conspiracy. Yeah. And again, goes up to my whole thing of all cats are up to something evil. <laughs> <laughs> and what? Just let them. Just let them. Okay? They're grand. <laughs> yeah, I'm a dog person. Yeah. <laughs> and so, we've been talking about these sort of 19th century or, or 1300s-y, 1400s-y type of vampire people. Yeah. But the most recent 21st century vampire um, is, was... Twilight? A, a Twilight? No. He's barely a vampire. True blood? <laughs> El Chupacabra. Ooh. Ooh. So, you pro- some of you listeners out there probably know what El Chupacabra is, but it's um, a myth from the Central and Southern Americas of this demonic creature that sucks the blood out of livestock. Ooh. And that's what it means. So, like, chupa is, chupar is suck, and then mm. cabra is goat. So... In, it was first ever heard of, or first like reported in 1995, which I find crazy. Wow. Because that's like, what, that's 23 years ago that, Jesus, it is 23 years ago. Are <laughs> <laughs> uh, just remembering someone's birthday? Yeah. Um, 23 years ago that like the last ever sort of vampire myth was created mm. or was reported and it all came about in um oh which country was it it was puerto rico where it first started off and uh, it it was because a number of livestock had been found with three puncture wounds Ooh. in their necks and completely drained of blood this was reported by a local woman and then a couple of years after, it was about, it tripled all over the sort of southern, southern Central America. So from like 50 goats or whatever, it went up to 150 different live, livestock. Wow. And it just completely spread all over uh, the continent. And no one really knows why it started there or, or why it wasn't, you know, like the logical mm. thing would be, oh, it's just... A, a dog or something mm. but but the the, the yeah. belief that it was a a horrible sort of vile creature with um almost like stegosaurus style spiky bits spiky bits <laughs> yeah spiky bits all the way down um and it's it's still sort of going on today mm. you know uh, i it's, did it's, see a children's book called the chupacabra and the candelabra Ah, <laughs> I don't know what it's about, but it, it, the picture looks cute. That sounds adorable. Um, actually, I listened to a podcast called The Cryptic Keeper, and if anyone likes sort of weird cryptic things, and they were talking about sort of chupacabras and sucky things, mm-hmm. but they were saying that like there's a proto mix yeah. of like a blood sucking dwarf things that some of the conquistadors when they first were being unpleasant people yeah. uh, were sort of warned about, and of course they didn't take the heed and. A lot of them got killed, which they probably deserved. Probably deserved. Yeah. yeah. Um, so if you want, there's 
loads of things. Uh, there's another podcast, uh, we've played a promo for them called Resting Witchface, and they just did an episode on vampires. Oh, did they? So there must be something going on in the zeitgeist. I don't know. I mean, what month is it? Like? <laughs> <laughs> I wonder. Uh. <laughs> and I was, I listened to a, true, a lot of true crime. One of the ones I listened to is called Slaughter, which just did a thing. Uh, the episode is called These Tea Cakes Definitely Aren't Vegan. <laughs> Guess what the secret ingredient is? Oh boy. So there's something going on. There's a lot of more blood consumption than we'd imagined. Than we ever could blood, have thought. Bloody facials. Yeah, exactly. Mm. Yuck. Yeah. So whether you enjoy drinking coffee, coffee, tea, orange juice or or the blood of the your young en- or the blood you know, of your enemies the blood of the enemies the blood of the young the blood of the young enemies <laughs> we, that's kind of stuff yeah we hope you enjoyed this we podcast we hope you enjoyed this podcast we hope you have a a very lovely October mm-hmm. and rest of the year and if you want to get in contact with us you can find us on Facebook at Tales from the Shadows you can find us on Instagram at Tales in the Shadows. You can find us on Twitter at Tales Shadows. Why are we called Tales in the Shadows <laughs> on all social media? Because we have a theatre group and I set up all the social media and thought, oh, we'll have them all together. Didn't realise it would suddenly become complicated. <laughs> uh, I have been Emily. I have been Orla. I have been Georgia. The Snorry Dogs have been Snorry. <laughs> and goodbye. Thank you. Thank you. Hi, everyone. Hello. I'm Bailey Bennett. I'm Grant Jacoby. And we are the hosts of a comedy horror podcast called Resting Witch Face, which is your one-stop haunt for all things spooky, bitchy, and more. Each week, we tell each other stories about ghosts. Murderers. Vampires. Unsolved mysteries. Witches. I'm caught off guard. But (laughs) anything spooky, because we love being scared. And we love to laugh about it. Also, each week, we highlight what we call our badass bitches, which are people that we think are doing awesome stuff in the world. Awesome stuff. And we also like to end each episode with a little bitch session, just because we like to air our grievances, get that pettiness out into the world, and just, you know, end things on a light note after all the darkness. Mm -hmm. So if that sounds like something you'd be interested in, you can find us on iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud. Also on social media, on Twitter and Instagram, at Podcast. Episodes drop every Tuesday and come hang out with us. Thanks, guys. Bye, Bye, bitches. bitches.